What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello, welcome into the Ballsy Podcast as we talk Texas Rangers baseball today. I'm Sean Bass of Sports Radio 1310 and 96.7 FM. The Ticket joined by Barry Horn and Kevin Sherrington, your normal staples of the podcast. And speaking of staples of this podcast, we are joined on the phone by Evan Grant of the Morning News. He's the Ranger beat writer out west, west coast chilling with the club as they start a nine-game road trip as we record this uh, tonight in Anaheim. Evan, good to hear from you, sir. How you been? Well, it's always good to be thought of as an office implement. Thank you. Sean. Well, no, no, Evan, you're yeah. you're Mr. Ballsy. You know, remember how they used to have Mr. Matt? You're Mr. Ballsy. You put the wow. balls in Ballsy, Evan. Wow. Yes, I do. <laughs> All right, so a mixed bag, I guess. A two and four homestand to start the year. Everybody freaking the hell out after Texas gets swept by Cleveland. By the way, a team that nearly won the World Series last year, but that series marked with uh, bullpen meltdowns, which I'm sure we'll get to. Uh, we also had a series win over the weekend over the Oakland A's where the offense did some good things. And if we want to skew positive to start, uh, let's talk about the American League Player of the Week, Nomar Mazzara. As we've recorded some of these podcasts in recent weeks, we all felt very good about uh, what he might do in his sophomore season. And to see a 21-year-old get recognized by the league is pretty cool. And just uh, the demeanor. I mean, I just can't get over the demeanor of how that guy handles himself on and off the field. Yeah, he is kind of the... Uh what you want in a prototype for just how you approach at bats and approach both failure and success. He doesn't get too moved one way or another, and and it's just a very mature approach. And uh, he had a great week. Uh, But I think overall, you know, for the Rangers, the biggest – the the player of the week honor is important. But I think for the Rangers, the biggest news out of that – out of that's related to that is – you had Nomar Mazzara at the age of 21 with nine RBIs and Player of the Week honors. You had Rugnet Odor at the age of 23 with uh, six RBIs and a 389 batting average, I think. And you had Joey Gallo uh, at age 23 with um, uh, seven RBIs, two home runs, a really big hit on Sunday for him personally, and, and a very nice start. And And so when you add all that up, you you know, You've got a young core here that gives you hope that when these older veterans are starting to fade off the scene, that they'll still have a very good core of young players. Except, Evan, you left out one position of uh, core of young players, and that would be pitching. That's very sharp of you to figure that out, Barry. <laughs> that is still the um, that's still the big if, and I, I, the Rangers are going to have to figure out a way to bridge uh, between this year and I would say at least 2019. Uh, their top pitching prospects are at double A or below. 
Um, and I really think the better ones are at Class A. Uh, so it's going to take a couple of years for, for those guys to mature, and, and you're not going to get all of them to hit, but you're hopefully going to hit on one or two of them, and, and that gives you the nucleus for rotation. But the Rangers are going to have to find a way to supplement this rotation in 2018. There's no doubt about that. Let me go back to before Barry hijacked the, the conversation, as he usually does. <laughs> Uh, I want to talk about Nomar. Moves Rizzo. it right on to another topic with yeah. Uh, yeah. absolutely no conversation. Yeah, I, 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 I have no attention span. Yeah, I know. Uh, is that uh, – I believe it was you who asked in spring training last year uh, if you could have either uh, – if you were going to start a, t- a Rangers team, would you start with your number one pick be Odor or would it be Mazzara? And you asked me and Eric Nadell that question. And, and Eric – chose Mazzara I, I took Odor and uh, the the question I want to know though is when I watch uh, Mazzara uh, you know at the bat and what he does he's so smooth he's so smart he goes the other way he got power the other way what is the ceiling for this guy is he Adrian Gonzalez is that is that the ceiling for him uh, listen I think the ceiling can be as good as you want to to name it for a corner outfielder you know, I, I think one reason that Eric would have would have chosen Mazzara over Odor at that point in time, and, and and still might make that decision, is you know there's not a whole lot of weaknesses in Mazzara's game. You can point out a couple things about Rugi that he still needs to improve to reach his absolute potential. But Mazzara is a pretty he doesn't have great range in the outfield, but as an outfielder, he's pretty smooth. Um, the one ball that he had a problem with this week was windblown and in the corner he's got to make that catch but you know that was it wasn't exactly an easy catch to make uh he's got an above average arm as a defender and and at the plate i think it comes down to plate discipline and plate approach you know you look at the game where he had the um the five rbi game and he had a ground ball to first base to get home carlos gonzalez and carlos gomez in the first inning the grand slam was the dead center field and then the uh, then he had another big single later in the game. I think it was a six RBI game, right? Yep, six yep, RBI yeah. single to the left field. And when that guy uses the whole field, uh, he's he's a very refined uh, hitter. He's got a good eye for what he wants to do at the plate. There's a plan there. I think he got out of that plan a little bit last year when pitchers kind of went away from throwing him fastballs, and it took him a while to figure that out. But he's come back, came back with a pretty decent September last year, and he's come back this year and, and has, has maintained the approach through spring training into the start of the season. And, you know, when Jeff Bannister says he's got a special IQ for baseball, I, I think that uh, that really says what you need to hear. Evan, Kevin uh, mentioned that what his pick was, he mentioned what uh, Eric Nadell's pick would be between the two. What would your pick be? I was the master interviewer, Barry. I just asked the questions and didn't give any opinion. <laughs> well, I'd like to. I'm um, now. I'm interviewing you. I'm asking you. What? Would, who would? Who would you take with your number one pick? I I think that um, I think again, Mazar is just more refined, and you can see this guy maintaining a very steady level. Uh, for a long time, there's going to be some ups and downs with with Odor. There's going to be some years where he hits 35 bombs and and has a high batting average, but we have to see a little bit more selectivity at the plate. 
Uh, I do think he's been improved defensively this early in the season. He's attacked balls more than he did. But at this point, I would say that, you know, if you're starting a team, Mazar is only 21 years old. Uh, he's got a full year in the big leagues at this point. Um, I'd probably give him the slightest of it. Is Mazar flying under the radar a little bit nationally? Well, probably flying under the radar a little bit in that, you know, he, he, he did win the Rookie of the Month award last April and May and was at that point in time kind of the odds on favorite to win rookie of the year, but then was then he slowed down and, and was kind of surpassed. I, I think that we've got a fascination right now with all the young middle infielders in the American League, um, in Lindor and Correa, uh, and Bregman at third base. Um, but yeah, I think he and he, and I think the focus on the Rangers is all on Odor at this point because he he did have the 30 home run season last year, and he did, you know, provide the one visual that everybody will remember with the punch of Batista. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Evan, since we're talking young talent, let's go to Gallo and Profar because Joey, you know, the numbers might not be, you know, stellar as far as batting average, but he's walking more. Uh, he's being a little bit more selective at the plate. Uh, I think you had the note that he finally had a two strike hit, the big two run single the other day against Oakland, and it looks like that he's starting to figure things out. The question is, is once Adrian Beltre's calf is good to go and he joins them presumably on this road trip, what do they do with Joey Gallo? Do they send him down every day to play at AAA, or do they find a spot with him on the roster and make another decision elsewhere? Well, you know, Jeff Bannister always talks about, force me to put you in the lineup. And right now, uh, if Adrian Beltre comes back, if he comes back today, um, I think the Rangers are going to want to manage that calf just a little bit. So I think that you're talking about giving him a few extra days off or some days as, as DH, if possible. Um, so there's some opportunity for a guy to get some, some games at third base. Not necessarily enough to, to, to on its own, stoke a roster spot. But Jerickson Profor is supposed to be the left-handed complement in the, in the outfield, in the left field situation. He's not gotten off to a great start at the plate. Joey can play left field. Joey can play first base. He can do all the things that Profar can do with the exception of play the two middle infield spots. And so I think you may have a situation arise here where at least in the short term, the loser is Profar in that he becomes the the backup middle infielder. Profar loses the, uh, the corners to Gallo, and uh, Drew Robinson would be the likely guy who goes back down to the minor league. How much is the Delino, Rua, Profar, Troika in left field, how much is that negatively affecting Profar not getting consistent bats, not getting consistent playing time, and you know, a byproduct is maybe his confidence is shot? I, I think the first week, the, the one thing that's difficult is in this first week, you know, the Rangers had uh, – a Thursday off day, and then they were off yesterday. And when you're trying to work three different guys into left field and you've got two off days uh, and you've got veteran infielders, it's just hard to get guys in on a regular basis and get worked into a rhythm. They start today with a streak of, I think, 30 games in the next 31 days. And so I think there is going to be more opportunity to move him around the diamond a little bit, uh, play him sometimes at second and sometimes at short, but that was under the, under the idea that he was going to be this super utility player. If Gallo cuts into his playing time, then once again you're down to infrequent playing time, and, and Profar is going to have to show something in that 
in kind of an infrequent uh, role. I think something with the with Gallo too that we're seeing is that if he were not producing, uh, I'm wondering if Adrian would already be, be, uh, be back in the lineup. I think they, I think that that certainly could have been a thought for Sunday. I also think that with these calf injuries and the fact that they're tricky and the fact that he's had two and this right calf may have been a, a product of the fact that he overcompensated a little bit for the left calf at, at some point. Uh, I think the Rangers wanted to use every possible uh, day that they could. So by not activating him on Sunday, they got Sunday and Monday, and he can he, he can potentially be an option for him today. But they uh, they might wait another couple of days if there's any question whatsoever and, and continue to play Joey every day at third and try and get Profar a few more at-bats in left field to get him going. Um, it's certainly giving you the opportunity to say, hey, we've got a 38-year-old player here who's really important to us. Let's not rush anything. Let's make sure he's back. We don't want this to linger all year. Do you think it's possible in this when people ask me about uh, Jerks and Profar and about you know what the Rangers can do with him and uh, and 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 of course my my first reaction is that you have to keep him because you get nothing for him uh, or anything near what you think you could get for him so they've they've tried this thing with this super utility because the middle infield is all locked up and for me the problem with that is is he's just not going to play enough. You know, when he was playing for the Netherlands in the WBC, he was playing every day in center field. And I believe that right. Jerickson is a very emotional kind of guy. And if he feels like I'm here, I'm in every day, I know I'm going to play, I, he gets excited, I think he plays better. When he is being kind of uh, pulled around, here you're going to play this day, but you're not going to play for a couple more days, and maybe we'll put you in left field, maybe we'll put you at first base. I just don't think he reacts well to that. You know, everybody wants to make – Everybody into Ben Zobrist, you know, and it's just right. there's one Ben Zobrist, and and, and I, there's only one Juliana Zobrist too. There, there you well, go. Uh, but it, I just don't think that this is in the cards for him. And I, I understand the Rangers' problem here is that what else are we going to do? He can't, you know, he, right. he's got a guy in front of him at shortstop and at second base. But I just don't see this super utility thing working out. Yeah, you know, maybe the only thing for the Rangers to do to prop up his value would be to go to him and say, hey. We'd like to sign you to a uh, kind of a club-friendly extension past his free agency years because at this point in time he's not going to go out on the free agent market and get a big deal. And so maybe if you gave him a bump and and some kind of two- or three-year extension into free agency, then all of a sudden a club could look at him and say, hey, we get four or five years of control of this guy. He's still in his early 20s. Then maybe he becomes a much more attractive option to somebody that is going to play him on an everyday basis. But right now... I think you're right, Kevin. It's um, uh, uh, it's impossible to really deal him for full value because you only got, I think, two more years of control after this year. Uh, he hasn't proven on an everyday basis that he is he belongs in a lineup. Uh, from the from the right side, he's not a great option against left-handed pitching. Um, so he, there's. There's very little value in him fronting a trade unless you're going to trade him to a team that feels like they can sign him long term and that they have an everyday role for him. Is it possible? That's, that's going to be hard to do. It is going to be hard to do. I, and I did not get to see him play center field in the WBC. Uh, he, He's okay. Was he okay? Yeah, I mean, okay. Uh, the, Rangers so, got good, the Rangers got good reports on him in center field. 
Um, he worked with Andrew Jones every day while he was with uh, while he was with the Netherlands, and I think that was good for him. Came back and played center field in an exhibition game, and Jeff Bannister was not wowed. So, really, um, yeah, I, I, I think that there's there's some work still to be done there. But you know, you do also consider the possibilities that Carlos Gomez won't be here next year, right? And you do have to think about center field. And now I think that that Profar, if he's here, along with Delino De Shields, who's given the club an awful lot of uh, uh, good feelings during spring training, um, and to some extent Drew Robinson, would all be your your potential internal options there. Evan, we'll get to the pitching here in a bit. I do want to stay with the offense just for a second. And if you look at the numbers, Texas—I'm not sure what they are as this present moment as we record this i want to say they were either number one or number two in the american league in home runs and if you just look up and down the lineup there's a number of guys you can make a real argument just haven't you know hit their rhythm yet and maybe some of that's off days maybe some of that small sample but i kind of feel like even though there's a two and four record the offense actually hasn't been bad and a lot of that you know can get covered up with home runs how do you feel like the offense is one week in as we uh we hit this big road trip well, I think the offense has been a little bit home run or nothing uh, in this first week. Um, I do feel like that they've got to execute a little bit better. The uh, I, I thought there was a really disappointing um, inning in uh, in the final Oakland game in which they uh, they had Gomez and uh, Anderson second and third, kind of on a manufactured situation, one with a uh, hit batter, one with a walk, and then two balls in the dirt that, that, that advanced them. You had second and third, three, four, five coming up, nobody out. All you got to do is get a fly ball to execute in that inning, and you get three straight strikeouts from uh, from Odor, uh, Mazzara, Napoli, um, Odor, Napoli, Mazzara. That was against Sean Manaya, and he had really settled into that game at that point, right? And his stuff yeah, looked did. really good. Yeah. And I, I will say that. His stuff looked really good. And he's, that's one of the reasons why they got him in that trade uh, with Kansas City. But having said that, yeah, it was you know Napoli goes up on the first pitch. You got to get one. Falls practically in the dirt, and he's just flailing away at it. And you know he's, he's right. got such a great eye, and I'm just so surprised that that he would have that approach in that particular bat. And I and I thought the same thing when I was watching it. This is unbelievable. You got guys at second and third, and it's three punch outs in a row. I mean that was just right. about as bad as you could possibly be in that situation. But I, I will say this. The thing that I think you take away goes back to what we started this whole podcast off with. You know, that Gallo has been um, more uh, more formidable at the plate. Mazzara has been off to a great start. Odor has shown more selectivity this year than he did last year. He's had some really nice long at bat. Uh, Carlos Gomez has been what the Rangers thought they, he was over the last six weeks of last season. And I think the guys like Napoli, um, I think Lucroy, I think all those guys will start to settle in. I don't think you worry terribly much about them. And when you've gotten good performances from the young players, I think that just gives you a sense that this offense is going to be uh, more productive overall. And that's, you know, we're talking about a team that's gone the first six games without its its heart and soul in Adrian Beltran. And it's a team that hasn't pitched well in general. I think they've had some good starts. I mean, the walk numbers are obviously high, and you don't want them to stay there throughout the whole season. But if it wasn't for a couple of meltdowns as far as the bullpen goes, you're talking about a team that's probably over 500 as they start this trip and maybe win that series against Cleveland. And I guess it was baby steps and 
a positive thing to see Sam Dyson get a strikeout and a double play ball uh, work in the ninth against Oakland to sort of get back up on the horse, and I think he lowered his ERA to, what, 30 or 36? <laughs> what is it What is it now, Evan? Do you know? Uh, I've stopped calculating at this point. But, um, <laughs> he finally, he, what he said on Sunday was it was good to actually finish an inning that he started. Yes, so, that's number one uh, of the season. Baby step. And I, I really do think with Sam, I think there was some degree – of a, and this might apply to Jonathan Lucroy as well. You know, those guys that went and played for the for Team USA and the WBC, it was a big deal to them. And to go and win the thing, they played in some high-leverage situations. They played with an awful lot of, um, of intensity. Then they came back to spring training, and it was like, okay, got to let that go for a little while, just kind of settle back down, wait for the regular season. And then it's really hard to just flip that switch again. And I think it may take just a little bit of time for them to really get in a rhythm. Um, but they're, as you mentioned, Sean, the walks by the starting pitching have been have been a little bit disappointing. Um, I, I think that uh, the thinness of the bullpen has been demonstrated, well, particularly in the first game. Um, but I, I do think overall you're going to start to see this team settle in um, and, and, and settle down into – what should be a nice little run here till the end of April. I still think this team finishes April above 500. Uh, I, I think that um, uh, what was encouraging from Cole Hamels in his first start was only one walk, and he really did breeze through the first four or five innings, and, and then kind of uh, as he as he hit 90 pitches. And this is not a guy who worked a whole lot of innings in spring training, as he did get to the 90 pitch range. That's when he did start to fatigue. And I think you know, as he said on on Sunday. April's still about building, and for him to get through six that first time out, he's not a guy that's been great right out of the gate. For him to get through six was good. For Perez to get, go into the sixth inning with a shutout on Sunday was good. I'd still like to think that Martin in that situation would be able to get through the sixth and maybe the seventh inning against a team like Oakland, but they're, they're good steps, and and I do think that on the, on the bullpen side, the fact that uh, Jose Leclerc has really stepped up uh, to fill the role that, that was left absent by the demotion of Keone Kella. That's been a positive development as well. Let me ask go back to Sam Dyson here because I, I think what fans recall and they're starting that that is all no fader, uh, fading that memory of when the Rangers first acquired him and throwing that bowling ball sinker and it was, he was just unhittable. Uh, you know, if you hit the ball at all, you were just hitting a ground a weak ground ball to the infield. What? Um, what has happened to that pitch for him? I don't think, Kevin, I don't think a terrible lot has happened to it, except that it just hasn't been as quite as dynamic the first week. I think in that first game against Cleveland, against a very disciplined lineup, he threw a couple of sinkers down, and they laid off of it, forced him to bring the ball back up into the strike zone as the inning got longer and longer. And uh, that may have had a lingering effect into his next time out. Uh as you said, you know, he got a strikeout and he got the double play on Sunday. And I just, I really do think that there is something to be said on the adrenaline aspect of of how you, you get up early in spring, which is an unusual event in the first place, then you back it down, and then you try and get it back up. And I, I just think that it, it's going to take, you know, I went back and looked at, at the guys who pitched um five times in the WBC, which is to suggest that they, they all pitched deep into the tournament in 2013. 
and all those guys had a rough first week as well. Um, is there is there something to be said for that? I, you know, I don't have anything empirical to to define it, but I do think that it is it is an unusual situation for pitchers, and I think it does take some getting used to. The velocity on Sam's fastball, that's not really off. He's right at about 95. That's where he needs to be. I think that's the biggest concern. You mentioned Jose Leclerc and how he, I guess, has surprised many because everybody knows that command was always an issue with him as a starter in the lower levels. And obviously, you want to see more. But is he has he put himself, I guess, in Bannister's, I don't know, room of trust yet as far as a winning piece in the bullpen, or is it till, it's still way too early to, to know that for sure? Well, I think he's put himself into the mix. Excuse me. Um, Bless you, Evan. Into the mix for, thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> I think he's put himself into the mix for consideration in those middle innings, which is which is important because without Kella there, everybody else has got to kind of step up into the seventh and eighth inning roles. And, and without Dyson, and without Deaton in there, you know, you only really got one lefty that you trust in in Alex Claudio, and and so. What you've got to do is find some guys that can hopefully get you through the sixth and seventh on occasion, particularly in games where you might be down by a run or you might you might be down by two runs but still have a chance. And I think they've seen that from Leclerc in the first three times out. They've they've been really impressed with what they've seen. Um, the most important thing is he hasn't walked hitters, uh, and if he does that, he's got the kind of dynamic stuff that does portend to be a back-of-the-bullpen type reliever. You mentioned lefties. What's the leash on Dario Alvarez, who has struck people out and also given up home runs in his uh, handful of outings so far this year? I mean, there might not be another better left-handed option uh, in the organization, really, but how how longer, how much longer can they trot him out with mixed, mixed results like that? I think Alvarez has faced, what, two guys hitting from the left-hand side of the plate and both have, have reached against him, so... Mm-hmm. Um, when you're a lefty um, brought on to retire lefties, that's what you have to do. And if you don't, then the leash is going to be very short. And if you don't have a lefty that can get out lefties, then you might as well just have a right-hander that gives you more options. So I don't know how long the leash will be on him. I think that, uh, again, with Diekman out, with uh, with Kella having to work on some things in the minor leagues, with Shepard's on a rehab, you know, there's some more opportunity for Dario out there, but I don't know how long that will be. I, I did notice that Wesley Wright went more than an inning last yesterday for for Round Rock, and I do kind of wonder if the Rangers would. They've got a spot on the 40 man roster. I wonder if they would look at Wesley Wright at some point in time here. You mentioned Round Rock, and the number five starter is going to come up, I believe, Saturday. And you've had Dylan G. Dylan G. had a not so good start. Nick Martinez actually looked. Pretty good from what we see in the box score the other night for the Express. Is it going to be Nick Martinez's ball on Saturday? I think so. The only the uh, uh, Gamboa started yesterday, I believe, correct? Yeah. And I haven't. It's still so early out here, and I'm still very lazy. I didn't look at the box score. Last I got it right here. Rock. He, went, he went six, five hits, three runs, two walks, and seven strikeouts. So the only thing I keep wondering about is that Gamboa would be on perfect four days rest. And do the Rangers want to just see how that knuckleball would play up here? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think if you go based on on performance, that Nick Martinez, one walk and five five scoreless innings, I think is uh, uh, he wins the pitch off in that, in that regard. But 
they've seen a lot of Nick Martinez, and they may want to take a look at somebody else. So um, hopefully Jeff Bannister will give us a better idea today about what their plan is, but I also think he's going to try and keep the uh, the Mariners guessing as long as he possibly can, which would probably only be until Wednesday or Thursday. So Sean just took us to Round Rock. I want to go down to Houston and talk about uh, the Dallas Keuchel. And his two starts, he's pitched 14 innings, given up four hits, one run. He's got a an ERA of 064 mm. in his first two starts. Uh, this is exactly what the Astros had to have uh, to fulfill their uh, projections or another's projections as them as uh, winning the West. Is this uh, a really bad sign for the Rangers? Not a terrible sign for the Rangers. I think it's a it is a good, it's a reassuring sign for the Astros based on the way Keuchel finished last year. But they've got to have more than just Dallas Keuchel. You know, they've got to have McCullers and McHugh both be very solid pitchers. I still think if you match up on paper the Rangers uh, one two three potentially specifically after you get Tyson Ross back, uh, which should be in early May. I think your, your Rangers 1-2-3 still matches up better than your Houston 1-2-3. Uh, and then now Seattle, which was supposed to be in the mix as well, and I know, Kevin, you're not a big believer in them, but they've lost Drew Smiley for the first two months. So I, I still think the Rangers' rotation is in pretty good shape, um, and I do think that there's going to be far better from you, Darvish, to come than, than really what we saw in his first two outings. But let's also be. face facts. Let's face facts. In his second outing, he he went into the he he allowed one run, and, and the Rangers ended up losing that game. He what cares much more from you there? What do you when you say Tyson Ross will be back the first week of May? Are we talking about in the rotation or just back? No, in the rotation. In the rotation. I, I, don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if he'll be back to being Tyson Ross. I think that may take some time after after missing all last year. But he is uh, he should start a rehab. Um, this week, if he, I think his first his first outing was at extended spring training, and I think he will move on this week to pitch in regular minor league games. And you can just map it out. You know, pretty much thirty days from there, uh, that puts him right around right around the tenth of, uh, of of April, right when the Rangers are in the middle of that four game set against the San Diego Padres. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Kashner struck out, what, seven with five innings and extended spring training. He needs one. I would imagine with the way they've stretched him out, is he ready for one more uh, minor league start before he's here? I think they certainly want to get him to 90 pitches, and the next time out would be 90. And I think they'd like to get him into a a real game situation. You know, he was supposed to pitch at Frisco originally yesterday, but Mm -hmm. there were weather concerns. Uh, which turned out to be accurate since apparently my car at home has gotten absolutely crushed. Oh, no. Dang it. Don't you have a garage? Don't don't you put the car in the garage? Barry, we do, like all good Americans, we use the garage for boxes. Storage. Uh, you got to play Tetris with the cars and all the boxes. That's how you do it. That's how you don't get held in, Gina's car is in the garage. And um, mine is outside. And oh man! Well, we can so, see how, we, can, uh, we can see where your status is. Do you get? Do you have to sleep outside too in the doghouse? Barry, let's talk about who runs the show in your household. Oh, <laughs> oh but I, I th- no, let's not because <laughs> everybody knows that. But th- that that's but I get to park my car in the garage. 
Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's but you've got like a four car garage, Barry. Five, but I'm not counting. Wow. Okay. So Evan, um, we I, talked so, a little. So anyway, Rob, Cashner, I think needs Sorry. to make at least one more start. I think that's yeah. the bottom line there. Uh, Kevin um, brought up. Hopefully, hopefully that'll be in a place where there won't be hail, and I'll be able to put my car there. <laughs> That'd be good. Kevin brought up Houston. I want to talk a little about L.A. The team the Rangers play tonight as we record this. The Angels are five and two by. I think many people surprised. They had a crazy comeback the other day against the Mariners. They were down six in the ninth. They scored seven for the walk-off win. Um, a lot of people thought they might be able to, I don't know, maybe hang out and be a 500 team. But I look at their rotation, and I see Garrett Richards down again. Not an elbow necessarily, but it's, a, I guess, a bicep and a nerve thing. Maybe something akin to what Andrew Kashner was dealing with in the spring. But he's going to be on the shelf for a little while. Do they do they have enough offense and a bullpen to sustain a start a pitching staff that not many of us believe in? I don't see it. You know, I just don't. I don't feel like they're um, capable of long term success. I, I think a lot of people want to look at Mike Trout and say you've got the best player in the game. You've got to be. You've got to be a good team. And I just I look at the Angels. There's some dangerous hitters there, but I just don't get a sense of real fear, particularly when you do stack up. If these other teams are healthy and functioning, when you do stack up, Tycho, McCullers, and McHugh, Darvish, Ross, uh, Hamels, Perez, Iwakuma, Hernandez, Smiley, potentially Paxton, and Gallardo in the number five spot. For me... For me, it just doesn't, you know, the Angels just don't have the pitching to compete. Paxton looks good, though. I don't know if you saw his start, I believe, yesterday. But if that guy stays healthy, and I know Seattle's gotten off to a really tough start, but they beat the Astros last night. We're going to see them on this yeah, road trip. Yeah, they out the Astros last night. Was it Felix or Paxton that pitched yesterday? It was Paxton, and he looked really okay. good. And I'm just curious... Uh, what your thoughts are on that club, despite a two and six start, as we record this? Well, they they haven't, you know. And at one point in time yesterday, they had a failed situation in the with the guys on base, and and they got a a chorus of boos from their home opening crowd, which is never a good sign. So they've gotten off to a rougher start than was expected. But I do think that their their starting rotation has the ability to be deep. The question on Paxton has always been, can he be healthy? But if he is healthy. He's got the ability to be a real breakout left-handed starter in this league. Uh, the question on Felix is going to be, you know, this is not a power pitcher anymore. Uh, is is at some point in time, even the fact that even though he's only 30 years old, is it going to catch up to Felix the number of innings he's pitched? And, you know, I you talked to Cole Hamels yesterday, and this is, I think Felix is one of two pitchers that has six 200-inning seasons and uh, six 200-strikeout seasons. Um, among active pitchers, and Hamels has five. And talking with Cole the other day, he his perspective was, you know, it's time for me to not worry so much about strikeouts or anything like that. I have to pitch 200 innings, and I've got to do what I need to do to get to 200 innings. The the thought there is, you know, you got to be more efficient. You can't be you can't be working for strikeouts. You've got to get guys out quicker, and We'll see if Felix can make that same adjustment with with his body because I think that he's going to have to. Um, but I, I do think the Mariners. You know, I, I had the Mariners as a wild card team. I do think that they're going to to 
put it together this year. I think there is good talent there, and, and I think that they are um, they're pretty deep in the starting rotation. But as Kevin always says, you know, it always seems like okay, this is the year the Mariners are going to do it, and then they they never do. The biggest question for me is with all the changes that they made, particularly this winter, and then they also made a lot of changes last winter. Does the team even know each other? Does it trust each other? How how well does it work together? Evan, it's been great, but it's time for us to go to Pepe and Mito's and have uh, some enchiladas. We can't eat that oh, on our diets. We can't. We can't eat that. Evan, tell them what holiday this is, and it's there's it's Passover. It's Passover. We can't eat at Pepe and Mito's today. And Evan, the hail damage was one of the plagues, correct? <laughs> the ten plagues. Yes, it was one of the plagues. Kevin yes, it was. Uh, Grasshoppers next. Kevin. Locust. Kevin. Yes. Yes, Evan. As long as, as long as you have, you know, and I've had a long conversation with this about my friendly Talmudic rabbi, but you can have the corn tortillas. There we go. Just, oh, I don't know about that, Evan. Is it, is it, are corn tortillas leavened? No. Let's get into a little, let's get into a little Mishnah discussion. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's called a rating spike. That's oh what we my need. God. The downloads will just go through the roof. The download, uh, oh, my God. Oh, man, this is going to be. This is going to be so big in the yeshivas. This will be big in Borough Park and <laughs> Williamsburg. Well, well Evan, where I live, it would be big. Yeah, back. Evan, thanks All so right, thanks so much for being with us. Evan, have you, Evan, I just want to know: Have you ever gotten pulled off a plane? Oh, wow, he's gone. I think that was he's gone. Not physically, not theoretically, and um, yesterday I was very happy when nobody came to me and said, uh, we need to uh, forcibly reaccommodate you. <laughs> well, hopefully at some point this season you're not murmuring to yourself on an airplane, kill me, kill me, kill me. Hopefully uh, that's <laughs> this season treats you a little bit better than that. Evan, you, only want, you the, only, the only person I know who wants to reaccommodate you is Gina. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, Evan. There he goes. That's Evan Grant, uh, one of the three heavy hitters on this podcast with Kevin Sherrington and Barry Horn. Oh, no. I'm Sean Bass. They just bring me in to bring it in and out. So I guess I'll do that here. No, you're you're you 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 have it. become a staple. You're a staple. Oh, who were we talking about? Sta- Evan, we were talking about staples. Yeah, Evan didn't like being called. A he staple. didn't like being a staple. No. So you should insult- I should I call him a tent pole? Like what does he want? Yeah, okay. uh, I think he wants to be known as the great Evan Grant. All right. Well, he the was great, great today. He's going to be busy on a road trip, and I'm sure uh, uh, we'll talk to him next week when he gets back. And hopefully, the Rangers are actually he'll still be gone next week. Is nine game trip. Nine games. Nine games. Mm. How are we feeling? I know we got to wrap it up, but I mean, just I know we've talked to Evan a lot. Yeah, we talked to Evan. We talked to Ed Gorin today too. We did about we did. Tony Romo and Tony Romo's possibilities in the CBS booth, and Ed. Tony Romo wearing breakaway pants on the sideline tonight. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about that as well. You don't like that? You, you, I get the sense that you've been hinting. You have been more than hinting that you don't like that. It's dumb. It's dumb, Barry. I can't imagine many other NFL quarterbacks that. Have the skins on the wall that he does that would say, "Yeah, I want to do that." Yeah, this is what well, he's not an NFL quarterback I, I, anymore. That's true, but I feel it's a little, it's a little tone deaf. I don't this know. is a little bit like Mike Dukakis putting on the uh, the, the helmet, helmet. It is, you know, when he's running for president. Tank. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, I'm, I'm sorry to go to something political. What, 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 sorry you, to go 88 election on you, Barry. 88? You guys know the year. It's oh, unbelievable. Oh, hey, we read. All right, that'll do it for us. He's Barry. He's Kevin. I'm Sean. We'll uh, talk to you next week. Download everything. Like everything. Favorite everything. Do things on social media. And uh, keep listening to the Ballsy Podcast. Maybe we can have Mike Dukakis on with us next week. Book him. I think he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.